Hi, everyone. I hope you're doing well. This is your host, Emily, and I just wanted to preempt this episode with a trigger warning. I will be talking explicitly about issues related to abuse, grief, and bereavement, and I do get quite emotional towards the end. Discretion is advised for everyone listening. And for anyone out there who is feeling the pain of loss this holiday season, this one's for you. Welcome to My Brain is a Wonderland, a podcast for neurodivergent women and the people who love them. You're here with your host, Emily, talking about everything to do with being a woman late diagnosed with ADHD and autism. Today, we are talking about something that I was probably going to leave for further into the podcast when I was putting this episode together. It started to strike me in a lot of deep ways that I wasn't expecting, and I got kind of emotional about it. And the reason I decided to do this episode on this topic is that I was listening to another great podcast called Oh, That's Just My Autism by a woman named Melissa. She was diagnosed with ADHD and autism also, I believe at the age of 41. And I was listening to her podcast the other day, and I was listening to her talk about fashion in the 90s, because she grew up in the 90s like I did, and was just talking about it, and it triggered this memory that I had that really dug into me emotionally, and I had to pull it apart and decided to do an episode on it. And that episode, this episode, is going to be on gratitude. Gratitude is always something I have struggled with feeling, let alone expressing. I think a lot of people don't like my negativity. I've spoken about this before on the podcast. I can be really negative, and I don't mean to be, but I have a little bit this comedian vibe, which if you hear me talk about comedians, they're all sad, right? All comedy with comedians is based around something sad or something most of the time, right, they have this air of like, I had it tough. And I've always been that way, kind of approach that with comedy. And then other times I'm just very negative. Just if something is presented to me, I might just look at the negative side. And that really bothers people. And it didn't really bother me at all until I saw people who looked at things positively. And then also the people who were annoyed that I was constantly looking at things negatively. And I thought about it, and I looked into this, Googled this for years, trying to kind of positivity, because I hate that toxic positivity, Um, but I needed to look on the bright side of life. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. And so I was looking into the idea of gratitude, where it comes from, and what we can do. But this was, you know, this has been going over years. What really triggered this episode was this memory that I thought of in the 90s from listening to Melissa on her podcast. And that memory, if you grew up in the 90s, and I'm talking early to mid-90s, this isn't like a 98, 99 thing, fashion trend, but when I was, I'm going to say between 8 and 11, could have been a bit younger, probably not older than that, would have been up to 1997, but I think even that was too late. 
I was gagging for a black crushed velvet floppy hat which is turned up at the front and has a black velvet rose in the middle. I think a bunch of you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, just Google black velvet hat rose 90s and all of them will come up. It's something Blossom would have worn in her TV show. I think I saw a girl in a Home Improvement episode, another 90s gem, um, wearing the same similar hat. So it was early to mid-90s, and this hat was just everywhere. You had to have it. I loved it. I wanted it. I'm into fashion. I'll do an episode about that. But I just really wanted it. And I was at a dance class with one of those friends I talked about prior. One of those friends, women, girls, that I hung, I was with a lot, hung out with. Our moms hung out, but I didn't really like her. We didn't really, not to say she was a bad person, we just never connected. We didn't really actually like each other. She may have liked me or something, I don't know, it didn't feel that way. And what happened is this mom gave her daughter the same exact hat that I wanted. So it was the velvet with the rose and everything. Then my mom produced a hat. And man, was I not happy. It was a black velvet hat, just like I'd requested, same style, the front was pulled up, but instead of a rose on the front, was a daisy. Oh, good lord. And I was so upset. I mean, I was so ungrateful. And I didn't expect it, which I think, I'm going to go into that, you know, I didn't expect it. That's something that can send me into a tailspin if I accept expect one thing and get something else, I come off as very ungrateful when really I just can't deal with things that are unexpected when I expected them a certain way, which can go into presence for sure. I expect to get this brand of this thing that has all of these ports that I know do this thing and then you buy me a different one because it was cheaper or you think better or whatever and it's not what I wanted. It really can send me sometimes. And I'm guessing the reason she got me that hat was because it was cheaper. I don't know, maybe not, maybe there was some other reason, but I'm guessing that's why. And this other mom kind of pulled me aside, or didn't pull me aside, she kind of said in front of my mom, you know, you need to be grateful for your mom and what she does for you. And I remember being so taken aback by that, like, what do you mean? Because I just, I don't think I saw it as being ungrateful. I think I was having a bit of a meltdown that I expected something. And there were a lot of emotions in that moment. Initially, I wanted to blame it completely on being neurodivergent. That I'm being an ass to my mom, being ungrateful, that other moms are noticing, right? That I'm not a good kid or whatever. On my neurodivergency. Which, like I said, I think that was an element. I think I was expecting a certain thing, and then you get something else, and it just, it can send me over the edge. I am surprised. It was probably because I was in public and had reined in and masked so much as a child, even then. It's kind of surprising to me that I didn't cry and kind of throw a tantrum a little bit, but maybe I was a little bit older then, and like I said, other people around. But it really, just looking back on it, I remember just being so like, what? What is this? Why would you buy this for me? You know, this isn't what we agreed to. But I think there's also some other stuff that feeds into that feeling. And I want to talk about that because I don't want this podcast to just be 
saying every single issue I have, every single thing that bothers me, every single thing that goes wrong is my neurodivergency. Because I don't think that's true. And I really want to pick that apart and try to find where everything comes from. It's really been key for me to figure out where I'm going. And if you've listened to the podcast at all, you'll know a little bit about my history, my background. I grew up pretty poor. In London, England, I grew up on what's called an estate, which is public funded housing, basically. Like the projects in the US, but I would say that even in the US, the projects have a way worse uh, reputation. People think worse of them. In the UK, a lot of people, compared to the US, live in public funded housing. We don't have Section 8, I don't think, which is where they give you money to subsidize rent in a different apartment. We would just live in public housing, and that's where everyone I knew lived, my entire family, father and mom's side, my entire life and their entire life that we know of. They've always lived that way. So I grew up on an estate. My I was raised by a single mom who was 19 years old when I was born. She didn't complete high school. You didn't have to. In England back then, if you if you hit age 16, you could leave. So in her senior year of high school, which was 16 in the UK, you can choose to go to 18, unlike the US. In At age 16, she decided she was going to leave as soon as she hit 16, and that was November. So she had all December through to June to do of school her senior year, and she didn't do it. She just left. My dad was an alcoholic, and he from that was dead by the time I was four years old. Not to say that he had a lot of prospects. He struggled with a lot, I think was probably neurodivergent, but we lost that. We lost that support system, that extra person, that love, the care, and the money, you know, that he would have brought in, being probably the breadwinner if my mom had been trying to raise me. My maternal grandmother had been a cleaner and stay-at-home mom. She was a part-time cleaner at a church and stay-at-home mom when the kids were younger. And my maternal grandfather was a coal miner in Wales and then cleaned windows for the Kodak corporate building for about 25 years after that. My father's side of the family were fishermen. One of his brothers became a very small part actor, would have uh, side gigs on TV shows. So he probably did okay, but wasn't making a huge amount of money, and no one really knew him. It was all very disconnected. So we didn't have many, no one had. You know, my dad didn't have many prospects. We didn't as a family. We didn't have connections to make money or, you know, that kind of, well, my friend can get you a job in a, we didn't have that. It was, you work your way out or you stay where you are. And I think I knew that we were struggling when I was a kid, or at least knew my mom was stressed especially with regards to money or my presence in that way. I don't know if I was feeling shame and embarrassment about being poor. I really am not sure. Maybe feeling with that hat that I couldn't have what everyone else had. I don't know. It's really hard to say now looking back because I don't think I really recognized the money aspect. I just knew that we were stressed and my mom was angry. And if you broke anything, it was a problem. So what I'm saying with this is, you know, there wasn't a lot of gratitude expressed in my life. 
No one in my family was thankful. No one was happy for the life we were living. No one said, I'm so grateful for you or this life or for being healthy or for eating this meal or anything of that nature ever. You know, you hear sometimes those poor families, and I think Shania Twain, I don't know why I just linked to celebrities like a laser beam. I remember reading an interview with Shania Twain. She was super poor, I believe living in Canada. And that's that common phrase. And she said, you know, we didn't have money, but we were rich with love, right? You're, you don't recognize that you don't have money if everything's happy. And I don't think she just means love. I think she means positivity, this gratitude, this idea of like, well, we don't have much, but what we got is awesome. And I never really had that. It wasn't, we felt like this is crap. This is a struggle. This is annoying, right? And I'm pretty sure my mom is neurodivergent, very well may have ADHD and or autism. We're very similar. I see a lot of the different struggles she had that I have. And she was also raising a neurodivergent child without a lot of support. She had the support of my grandparents. She didn't have a partner. Um, she said so herself. She had to be really careful about dating and bringing other people in the, into the, our home. She felt uncomfortable having a young girl. You know, as terrible as that is to say, she's worried about me being abused, right? So she was very cut off and disconnected and dealing with a child who was also probably pretty stressful. I'm going to say I was, by my teen years, very easy to deal with, but there were certain things growing up that if you didn't have money, I was going to be stressing you out. I'll give you an example. Several times, and when I say several, I'd have to ask my mom, but we're estranged right now, so won't be doing that. But several times, multiple a year, I would flood our house, our masonette. It was a two level in a block. I would leave the top, I would leave the upstairs bathroom tap on. And I've done this twice since then as an adult. But the sinks drain, thankfully, and I've heard the tap running before it gets out of hand. But what would happen is I'd leave the tap upstairs running, sign of ADHD. Your focus is, I'm getting ready gotta get ready for school, <laughs> leave the tap on after I wash my hands or do my, brush my teeth or something. And I'd leave and we'd come back at the end of the day and the whole house would be flooded. That's how I lost my birth certificate. And I'm sure it caused financial damage, right? We lived in government housing. So they'd pay for things like if we messed up the wood floor, they'd fix that if we flooded it out. But they're not going to fix our appliances that overload because they got flooded. They're not going to pay to replace my birth certificate. They're not going to pay to replace that entire dresser that had my birth certificate in that's made of wood that is now soaked, has all these documents in, right? And I can totally see that that's a financial stress. And that was my ADHD, leaving that tap on. And my mom would go nuts would just be, couldn't get it. And I didn't get, I didn't know why. I didn't know why I was doing it. And it just drove her insane. Another time, I don't know if I've spoken about this, but do you remember those light bulbs, the energy saving light bulbs that look like tubes kind of in a rectangle that we all now use? In the 90s, when they first came out, it was a big deal and they were very expensive. 
to buy just one. But we knew if we bought one, it would save energy bills. So my mom wanted to save up and buy one. And she bought one. We were in my grandparents' house. And she, I said, or I don't know how it came about, asked, can I look at the bulb in the box? And I really don't remember now if I dropped the box or I think the bulb fell out the bottom of the box. I'm not sure. And my mom flipped out. I don't want to talk about what happened after. It was very distressing and traumatic. But that would be stressful, right? You've paid £30 for a light bulb. You're, pe- you're paid £20 a week or something, right? And your daughter smashes the light bulb. I mean, it just, ugh, killer, right? Just killer. Then the other thing with regards to having gratitude is that my mom in general, and I'm not going to go into it a bunch, I don't think that's fair. My truth is my truth, but I don't think it's fair to just do that when we're estranged and not talking. The other thing is that she really just became, and not became, was slightly physically and verbally abusive. Physically as a child, with lots of short, sharp smacks for everything. And I mean, that's the better side of it. But it was physical, angry, I could spill a cup of water, you know, which is a neurodivergent thing, smashing cups, all this kind of thing, and she'd hit me all the time. Doesn't matter if I was four, five, ten, twelve, that's what would happen. I've been verbally screamed at, berated, I in front of friends, family, over the phone. I was in the shower one time completely naked and she was screaming at me, just ripped open the curtain and was screaming at me. Just really scary stuff that creates a certain kind of person. So like I said, all this to say that I just didn't really feel that grateful towards my situation or my mom. And that wasn't cultivated because I don't think she did either. She didn't get raised very well. I've heard stories about her dad. It's my grandfather. It's not great stuff, right? But I was scared. I was scared my entire childhood. I was scared of her. I probably didn't feel loved, or if I did, it was really wrapped up in this really weird, um, weird thoughts and ideas of what love is. And I lived on eggshells constantly, just eggshells. And I actually developed this really weird lying tick. And I don't know if it's a tick or just lying thing. And I had to really work on it when I met my husband. Because being around my mom, I would lie about everything. If she said, oh, did you do that today? And I I know she was expecting it. I would just lie and do it the next day. Because I knew she would react badly anyway. So I would just try to push it off and be and just lie on everything. So if my husband would be like, oh, did you pay that bill? I'd lie. And then go, why am I lying? Just tell him I'm going to pay it tomorrow. It's no big deal, right? So I had to really, really work on that. I have PTSD now. Not completely diagnosed, but my therapist thinks that I definitely had two PTSD attacks in my adulthood. The first was because a manager of mine hit me on the head with a rolled up magazine. So it was like physical violence out of nowhere, and it just sent me for, and these PTSD attacks last around 
uh, 16 to 18 hours, something like that, before I can just function in any capacity. And the other one was a plumber screamed at me and threatened me in my own home. And that was just PTSD attack. Hello, done. That being said, with all that being said, not being grateful is kind of mean. Right? It is. It's kind of mean. My mom's love language is gifting like my like mine is. Mine is gifting. That's my main one. And then the other one is quality time. So that gift of the hat was probably a big deal. That even if she was doing all these things that weren't conducive to us loving each other and having a good bond, that was her way of showing it, right? And it probably made her feel like crap that I was not grateful for that, that I didn't say thank you, that I was upset. And like I said, I'm assuming she got it because it was cheaper, which is another level of shame, right? That she knew she couldn't afford the better one, the one that I really wanted, and then was torn apart by me when she got the other one. Oh, it breaks my heart, honestly. Or maybe she thought it was cool and unique, and this was a really deep gift for me, right, that she thought I would appreciate. That, because that's true, actually. I'm kind of a conformer, but I'm not. Like, I don't mind going out there and doing what I want to do, but I have this thing about zeitgeist, and I'll talk about this in another episode, I love to feel when a movement is happening. If everyone's wearing the same thing or watching the same TV show, it brings me this community. And so I, that was partly probably what was going on with the hat as well. But, you know, maybe it was this super deep gift that she recognized that I was a unique soul and wanted to get me this and thought I would appreciate it. And I just shat on it. It's just sad. Like, I wish I hadn't done that. But sometimes you don't mean to hurt people. And that's what you end up doing, unfortunately. <sighs> Regardless of that, though, I've also been ungrateful to other people in my life that haven't had all of this history, right? I've been ungrateful to employers, members of my husband's family, strangers, you know, I know how to say thank you. That's manners. I do have manners. But do I really feel that way? You know, I've made fun of silly gifts from my husband's family, made fun of efforts that fell flat, you know, that they were like, this is so cute. And then I'm going, yeah, it's so stupid. Oh my God, it's so... And that's not what they mean. It's supposed to be... No one wants their gift to be called stupid or like to have that kind of tone. And I just have this ungrateful, negative tone about everything. Ugh, it drives me crazy. It never used to drive me crazy. Now it's driving me a little bit crazy. I don't mind the comedian thing. I've spoke about this in the Hurricane episode, episode three. Being a comedian and falling into that hmm, negative thing, I don't mind. But all the time, it's like I can't shake it. It's, it's really annoying. And I want to get into something that might feel, might seem a little bit, you know, skew-whiff from what I'm talking about, talking about gratitude. But this air of negativity and lack of gratitude, I sometimes also feel like that I've internalized this idea and feeling that my dad's death when I was four years old 
just completely marred my life negatively. That I'll never know who I would have been if that had never happened. That's really how I feel, is that everything that I am now, that I'm strong, I'm intelligent, I'm powerful, I get stuff done, I have a great job, I'm in grad school, I have a husband that I love, that loves me, I have these pets that I love, I'm living the life I want, I can go and eat ice cream whenever I want, but I'll never know what my life had been if my dad hadn't died when I was four years old. It was so young. And I think whenever this happens, if it's a shock, these are the feelings you have, right? Like, it's different if you have an elderly parent who dies. I'm sure it's awful and just really painful and you feel a loss that will never be filled. But once you're in your 30s, 40s, you might have a family, it's part of life, you're expecting it in a way, maybe it's been coming, I don't know. But these losses that come early and out of nowhere can just knock you off course. It just came to me because I love sci-fi, it's like the multiverse, right? Like, I feel like I'm on this track that wasn't meant to be. That if you could look at all the the universes where I exist, but there is a perfect universe somewhere where my dad is alive. Which seems ridiculous, right? He was an alcoholic. My mom left him before he died because he was, we just couldn't do it. it he was not you know, a good partner or dad in that situation. But I cannot shake this feeling, this feeling that I wouldn't be negative. I wouldn't be as negative if he had lived. And I hate that. I hate that feeling because you can never go back. I'm not, this, this is insane. This thing I'm trying to capture, this multiverse person I'm trying to be, I can never be. I am who I am because of that. But I partly hate that. I partly hate that my strength comes from never having a father. I hate that. I'd rather be weak and have a father. And this is where I feel like a lot of my negativity, you can hear me talking about it. You can hear that I'm crying. You can hear that he died 32 years ago. And it still sticks like a knife, like a negative knife in my soul every single day. And I'll do an episode on grief because I think this is really important just in general for mental health, but also being neurodivergent. And I really feel like people who suffer great loss when they're younger, it's really, you have a unique perspective and a depth and just this sadness. If anyone is looking for more interviews or discussion about this kind of stuff, I wrote some stuff down and realized it was like only men <laughs> that I could reference to. But Joe Biden has done an amazing interview with Stephen Colbert. 
Joe Biden famously lost his baby daughter and his first wife in a car accident when he was like 30-something. And Stephen Colbert lost his uh, father and two brothers, I think, in a plane crash when his brothers were like 10 and he was like a child. And Anderson Cooper lost his parents, I think, when he was a teen or a young child or something. You can look up interviews about that, and they just have this amazing perspective. But if you watch it, and they talk about it, there's a depth. There's definitely a depth, and you recognize it. Like, when you meet someone else, and you find out their dad or mom died young, you connect. All of a sudden, you're like, you get it. And we can talk about it, and it's not weird, because people think it's weird when you talk about your parents dying. Everyone thinks it's weird. But if you look at those interviews, there is an air of sadness an air of depth that I don't want to have as a child. I don't want that. Like, take it back. Who can I give it back to? I'm throwing that back into the universe. Don't want it. Ugh. But I'm going to leave you with a quote from Spider-Man himself. I know there's been several. Andrew Garfield. He was on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And he was talking about his mom. And I believe his dad and brother were in the audience at the time. And his mom had died. I don't know if it was... It was relatively recent, right? Not like 10 years ago. It had happened in the last few years. And he started to cry. And when you start to cry about these things or even talk about it, people get really weird. But not Stephen Colbert, right? Because he's had that death. But here's what he said. Here's his quote. And I'm going to try not to fall apart like a baby as I say it. So he's crying, fighting back the tears, and he says, I hope this grief stays with me. This is all of the unexpressed love, the grief that will remain with us until we pass because we never get enough time with each other. No matter whether someone lives until 60 or 15, or 99, I hope that grief stays with me, because it's all of the unexpressed love that I didn't get to tell her, and I told her every day she was the best of us. That, my friends, is gratitude. That's gratitude in grief. And I've never experienced that. Ever. Ever. So I'm trying to be more grateful. Trying to be more grateful for all the things in my life. Grateful that I knew my dad at all. Grateful that I've been diagnosed with ADHD and autism. Grateful that I'm healthy. Grateful that I'm happy. Grateful that I have a life that speaks to my heart in a way I never understood before because I've been diagnosed. And I'll tell you right now, because I looked it up online, looked at some Psychology Today stuff and some articles. Being grateful doesn't just happen. It's taught when you're a child or cultivated. So if you're not grateful or you don't feel that, you can do that. The onus is on us, but we can do it. 
So when you're faced with that stupid or unsuitable gift at Christmas this year from your aunt or uncle or even mom or spouse, try to express and feel gratitude. Not for the mistaken gift, but for their presence. For their presence in your life. For your presence in theirs. Because you never know when they'll be gone. Or you'll be gone. And that's my gratitude episode that became a bit of a grief episode, guys. I think it's all wrapped up in there. So with the holidays coming up, I'm going to do an episode about Christmas. And I hope to see you again on My Brain is a Wonderland. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.